For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hi, this is Krillin, and this is Usopp, and you're listening to The Geek Show! (laughs) Hello everyone, welcome to The Geek Show, your fortnightly look at everything that is strange and befuddling in the worlds of science and technology. I'm Graham, and this week I've been joined by... The rabbit caught in the headlights known as Rob. I was expecting you to say my name. Oh, right. No, well, yeah, I, I like to call out at the start. It's important that people know what the name of that voice that it sounds like is. I know. It's just, I, I, I was expecting you to say my name, so I was like, uh, I was waiting for my name to be said. Oh, yeah, uh, that caught me off guard. Um, so how are you today, Graham? Oh, right, yeah. Um, I've been working a bit on Eclectica the day before, and that's been going nicely, uh, which is Cinema Eclectica, our movie podcast, so I'm hoping that a, a little bit of that radio magic, guys, might carry on to this. Excellent. Well, um, as is always our metier, I have journeyed through the wastelands mm. <laughs> of the news, and I have I have scavenged tidbits, tasty little tidbits that... No one seems to want to talk about in the mainstream media. And I thought, <laughs> ooh, that looks a bit interesting. Starting off with Elon Musk, who, for some reason, likes Lego a lot, right? He likes it so much that one of his companies, which is called The Boring Company, which is not boring as in tedium, but boring as in drilling giant holes through the landscape. Right. <laughs> right. I feel I have to make that distinction because... A while ago, we talked about how Elon Musk was, he wanted a flamethrower, so he basically got his boring company to make a toy flamethrower. Well, I say toy, it's basically like a blowtorch that you use to make creme brulees, but it's in the shape of a flamethrower. So, Mm. uh, he wanted one of those, so he got his company to basically market some of them, and he had one. Yes, I remember this worryingly clearly. Right, now, he's at it again, kind of. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm getting worried about Elon. Um, I, I'm really getting worried about Elon. I'm worried about. I'm worried about him, man. He might. He might be. Uh, he he might be slipping into his into his dotage or something like that. His boring company has decided they're going to merchandise giant Lego style bricks that are made of rock. Now, this is from Elon Musk himself tweeting out: "New boring company merch coming soon." Life-size Lego-like interlocking bricks made from tunneling rock that you can use to create sculptures and buildings. Rated for California seismic loads, so super strong, but bored in the middle like an aircraft wing spar, so not heavy. And then he goes on to say, First kit set will be ancient Egypt, pyramids, sphinx, temple of Horus, etc., has someone told him that a Lego brick that's made out of stone and is much bigger is more properly called a brick? 
<laughs> but the thing is, apparently, you don't need cement to put these together. <laughs> it's just... And they come in pre-made sets of pyramid. Now, I want to know, for the pyramid ones, does it? do you actually have to purchase... <laughs> does it say slave sold separately? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Did we think that this is like some sort of scam where he has to burn through his fortune as quickly and as stupidly as possible? Hang on, are you saying he is doing a Brewster's Millions? Like, yeah, like basically like Brewster's Millions in slow motion. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm just worried that time he was on the Big Bang Theory did a number on him. <laughs> It's going to be quite a boom for the internet's conspiracy theorists, too, because they're obsessed with the idea that every reference to ancient Egypt in pop culture is proof of the Illuminati. So I think Elon Musk selling life-size Lego temples of Horus <laughs> really going to set him off. Oh, that's that, that's I didn't think of that. It's quite weird, isn't it? It's it's one of those things that I remember when I first heard about all that Illuminati and pop videos stuff, and I thought, you're, you're casting the net quite wide here. I mean, one of the signs that I remember reading about is like chessboard patterns, and they said any sort of pattern of interlocking black or white is a reference to Mark Ultra Mind Control. Hate to break this to you, but there's quite a lot of black and white in culture generally. It's like if you turn on Turner Classic Movies early in the morning, yeah. you're going to be really scared. What about an old TV that we used to have before we had colour TVs? Yeah, or the chessboard. Or, or, or just a wild idea, right? Just a, a show of unity between the races <laughs> <laughs> of people of different races holding hands while standing next to each other. In, in fairness, a lot of them do strike me as people who also think anti-racist activity is like a sign of the Illuminati taking over our minds, so they'd probably go for that. Wow. So, yeah, uh, Elon Musk's version of Lego. Do you think... I, I have to ask this now, because the question is on my mind. Was he the genius behind the giant Jenga? Maybe. Because that, that game is terrifying. I mean... You have these towering wooden blocks that you basically need the arm strength of Schwarzenegger to to move. <laughs> yes, it's quite that at all. I mean, part of me thinks this is this is the sort of thing that in previous generations people brought out the guillotine over. Uh, but part of me is also thinking this is probably the least evil thing that he can do in his current circumstance, isn't it? I mean, when you compare him to Peter Thiel... When you consider that he was raised by a woman who looks like a Bond villain. Wow. <laughs> Have you seen his mother? No. Do a quick Google search for Elon Musk mother. I'll wait. Oh my god. <laughs> I know, right? She is a super villain. <laughs> I, I mean I, I look I look at some of these pictures of her, and that's 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 even worse than a Bond villain. <laughs> that's even that you know, in The Simpsons, there's that uh, Scorpio, right? Yes. And the headline says Scorpio seizes like the West Coast or something like that. Mm. I can see the headline saying May Musk seizes the West Coast, and just a picture of her. That's that's. <laughs> oh my god! If I had a school teacher like her, I would be terrified every single day. Oh, 
my god, you're right, she does have that kind of raw, dull, baddie sort of quality to her, doesn't she? In some of these pictures, she looks like the living embodiment of Cruella Deville, and I'm sure she's a <laughs> lovely woman. This is the thing. I'm absolutely sure she's probably a lovely woman. It's just she's scary as hell as well. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine the grandkids? <laughs> go to Elon Musk. Daddy, let's go to Grandma's house. And then the youngest child going, no, let's not. I'll just, I'll just take you through the enchanted woods on the way to her house. Yes. Or, 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 maybe they can go through Thorpe Park, because we are returning to Thorpe Park, especially oh. to the Walking Dead roller coaster. Yes. I, and I'm still trying to figure figure out how this is going to work. Mm. But anyway, the world's first roller coaster based on the Walking Dead Right, it's gonna it, it's going to feature like all sorts of things to make it an interactive roller coaster. Not sure how yeah. that's gonna work, but anyway, there's more confusing things happening with this, and I don't it's... know how to explain this. Right? Yeah. Um, Doctor Joe Briscoe, who is uh, who works for the School of Engineering and Material Science at Queen Mary uh, University of London, right? Yeah. He's come up with a thing that can be used with the Walking Dead roller coaster. Which apparently is going to, it's going to do a Monsters Inc. It's going to use your screams to recharge your phone. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Because it's assuming that you're going to be scared either of the ride or of the zombies. I think the threat of going on the ride is terrifying enough. According to Thorpe Park's own research, 68% of youth today are terrified their phone will run out of battery. So this solution uses fear to alleviate fears, which is a weird sort of irony. Strikes me as being a bit self-defeating too. I mean, if you're that scared of your mobile phone running out of battery, the fact that it's fully charged would give you a happy-go-lucky demeanor. Basically, the thing is, the the way this uh, device works, it uses a form of kinetic energy harvesting, which has been developed by uh, Dr. Joe Briscoe at Queen Mary University. Now, that doesn't equate to screams. Kinetic energy no. and screaming, they don't they don't go hand in hand. But Thought no. Park have promised that some of the energy comes from riders going nuts. So the more they scream, the more power is generated. Right. <laughs> and they're trying to claim that it's just a it just so happens, it's a coincidence that the majority of power is going to be generated using G force and vibrations from the ride as well. That's a coincidence. <laughs> I'm sure that Dr. Jill Briscoe is an excellent scientist with an unimpeachable record of peer-reviewed papers. The thing is, but... he probably is, but Thorpe Park executives, Thorpe Park's, Thorpe Park's mar- marketing executives aren't. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds to me like the sort of thing you'd see advertised in the back of Nexus magazines. Like, w- w- I haven't heard of him from ages, but back in like the late 90s and early noughties, there were always dads in the back of 14 times and something from this Chinese guy who thought he'd developed magnetic bracelets that could cure death. Oh, is this like the old style comic book adverts that you used to get? Yeah. Um, you know, the I don't ones know with what the... happened to that guy it would be quite ironic if he was dead the old style comic book adverts that you used to get where you could be the world's strongest man or you had like yes. the x-ray glasses or the uh uh sea monkeys yeah sea monkeys was another one so i still don't know what the hell a sea monkey is just some sort of weird little 
blobby thing, isn't it? I'll tell you what it isn't, which is a, a pink human with a bulbous head yeah. that lives in families. That's not what it is. Yeah, I mean, some of the some of the old style comic book adverts were uh, were just bizarre. Uh, Kung Fu sandals. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Right. The, this is this is great. Uh, this is just the advert itself. Authentic. Worn for centuries by Oriental fighting masters. <laughs> and it's basically just straw flip-flops, right? It, it takes a special mind to look at, you know, an old Kung Fu movie and go, ah, clearly they're strong because they're wearing the flip-flops. There's this one, which I always found hilarious. Uh, this mm. is an advert for uh, the so-called deadliest man alive. Right. Who was called Count Dante? <laughs> and this is this is actually off the advert, right? I'm just going to read this out here. Count Dante is the undefeated supreme grandmaster of the fighting arts. Count Dante won the world overall fighting arts championship, master and expert division, after defeating <laughs> the world's top masters of judo, boxing, wrestling, kung fu, karate, aikido, etc. <laughs> because uh, etc et is carrying a lot of weight. Yeah, etc. It's like the, the most lethal martial art in the world. <laughs> in death matches. Oh, sorry, that was the ba- that was the biggest bit. In death matches <laughs> on the on August the first, nineteen eighty seven, the World Federation of Fighting Arts crowned the count the world's deadliest fighting arts champion and master. And now <laughs> the world's deadliest fighting secrets can be yours. With the uh, the uh, free Black Dragon Fighting Society manual and stuff, it's it's just bizarre. It's amazing. You you probably couldn't do adverts that were essentially saying this will help you to murder people nowadays. Ah, <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, I, I I would also like to point out that I am actually a practitioner of the ancient martial art of etc. You know. <laughs> Teach me your secrets, Master. <laughs> you may call me Master, etc. <laughs> that have went you know, a long way, didn't it, from the, the original story? Because the original story just was a long way from just uh, what is normal anyway. <laughs> we just took it one <laughs> step further. Uh, I know some moves from the from the ancient art of etc. as well. There's the five finger odd touch, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Don't go there. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. The Royal Gorge Dinosaur Experience in Cannon City, Colorado. Okay. Right. Now, it's basically a dinosaur experience. It's basically a dinosaur theme park. But no, it's not Jurassic Park because none of them are real, right? That's, that's a positive start. Yeah. Now... <laughs> The reason why we know none of the dinosaurs at the Royal Gorge Dinosaur Experience aren't real is because uh, one of them decided it was going to be on fire, namely the T-Rex. Right. Right. Um, I'm not sure how this has happened or whether this was actually... um, Spontaneous dinosaur combustion. Yeah, I think this was spontaneous dinosaur combustion. It was apparently an electrical fire that went out of control. But right. uh, it's it's basically been all over the news in America because there is nothing quite as bizarre or as terrifying as seeing a T-Rex roaring while it's on fire. 
I just want to leave that mental image with you for a second. I'm, I'm looking this up as soon as we stop recording. Can you imagine any kids watching this are going to be traumatised for life? <laughs> or think that's how you deal with a T-Rex? Yeah, maybe they will, you know? Maybe they'll think, yeah, flamethrower, T-Rex versus flamethrower. Thank God for Elon Musk, otherwise this dream would be an impossibility. Oh God, yes. You're linking stories. <laughs> I remember when Charlie Brooker was the Guardian TV reviewer, and there was one particular phrase in one of his reviews that stuck in my mind, where he was reviewing a follow-up to Walking with Dinosaurs, and it was about like the Stone Age mammals, the saber-toothed tiger, the woolly mammoth, that sort of thing. Yeah. And he said, this is only really happening because CGI now is much better at rendering hair. The only thing that it's struggling with at the moment is fire. And as soon as that sort of gets sorted out, the next one's going to be walking with bearded animals that are also on fire. <laughs> is this an attempt to create a walking with bearded animals that are also on fire theme park? Have we misunderstood it? Uh, maybe. I I would first thing I would ask is are T Rexes notorious for having beards? Well, I mean the science isn't fully there yet. They keep on sort of trying to get the public to to sort of well, I say believe. I do believe that dinosaurs probably had feathers, but they just look rubbish. So like every time there's a new Jurassic Park movie, they're not gonna have feathers on because the public don't want to see it. Technically we have feathers. Is that true? Well, yeah. What do you think hair is? I think it's hair. No, hair and feathers and scales are basically the same thing, aren't they? I, I didn't know this. My mind is blown. I I, I, I read it a few times when I was doing geology. Um, apparently, it's kind of if you go down, go by the evolutionary method, the, uh, the branches uh, along one branch went feathers and scales, and along the other branch went hair. Uh, but they're effectively the same sort of thing. Wow, uh, the same thing, I should say. That I mean, I was just going to humbly posit that maybe we don't know yet that the T-Rex's natural state is to be on fire all the time. Yeah. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, you know, don't quote me in your geology exam, you know, your paleontology <laughs> no. exam. You're going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to believe that now because <laughs> I like it. You like the idea of a bearded T-Rex. You like the idea of... No, you don't just like the idea of a bearded, bearded T-Rex. You want a proper, like, Viking or Dwarven bearded T-Rex, you know, with braids and <laughs> ribbons. I want a velociraptor who has got a beard so long he's been able to do it in little pigtails. No, no, no. I want dreadlock raptor. Yes. <laughs> because then I can sing Buffalo Soldier. <laughs> it's a raptorfarian. <laughs> yes. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, anyway, staying with the idea of theme park type events, right? Mm. This one, I think, is uh, a bit of genius, a moment yeah. of genius from Montpellier in France. Uh, there's a real estate agency there called uh, Evidence Immobilier, and they have become the first estate agency in the world to revolutionize the apartment viewing experience by turning it into an escape room. <laughs> right. Now, it's kind of genius, but also kind of terrifying at the same time that you go to see an apartment 
and the estate agent locks you in, and you have to hunt down the clues to escape the apartment. Yes. But in hunting down the clues, you get to see all the features of the apartment and explore it properly. Wow. So it's like the adventure theme park of being shown, version of being shown around a new house. Yeah. What happens if you're being shown around a new house that actually has a panic room? Do you think that would ruin the fun? Probably. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's especially like, oh, if, it's, it's too real now. Especially if you open it up and Jodie Foster's in there. <laughs> that, would, that, that would be sort of fun, I think. It still blows my mind that the kid in that movie is Kristen Stewart, by the way. Yeah, people forget about that. So, it just, I don't know why that weirds me out so much, but it just... I think people often forget what actors have been in previously. I think that there's also the thing, isn't there, where when you think of child stars, you think of people who flamed out horribly. And then yeah. with people like Kristen Stewart or indeed Jodie Foster, who were child stars and came through it perfectly well, you just like mentally scrub the child star bit out of your mind. So where does Natalie Portman fit into that? Natalie Portman's as good an example of this as anyone. I mean, the fact that she was like the lust object for very strange pervs after Leon should have messed her up for life, but no, she seems all right. Yeah, I know. Level-headed. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. I don't I don't understand. Yeah, how she managed I'm, to get through that normally. Kurt Russell was a child star, despite the fact that I'm pretty sure Kurt Russell was never under forty. And never without a beard. Yeah, he was born <laughs> with a beard. <laughs> he was the original bearded T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would be the proper casting for the movie that we could make out of this, couldn't he? Oh, yes. <laughs> Can you think of anyone who feels more like a bearded Tyrannosaurus than Kurt Russell? Either that or he just plays himself, so we'd have Kurt Russell versus bearded T-Rex in a, in a beard off. <laughs> to see who has the most magnificent and luxuriant beard. Yes. So, yeah, anyway, uh, escape room uh, apartment viewing, I think, is a brilliant idea. Um, yeah. Uh, and from one genius idea to another. Oh? Yeah. Ketchup, right? Originally made from mushrooms, now generally accepted as tomato ketchup. Um, yeah. There are various forms of ketchup, but... Um, a woman called Emily Williams, who is the co-founder of Boar's Fine Foods, uh, they have come up with a new version of ketchup, which removes a lot of the waste inside the bottle, but also um, a lot of the effort of, you know, with the bottles, sometimes you ha- with the glass bottles, you have to hit them on the bottom to get them out of yeah. the good shape, yeah. and then they go everywhere. And then they have the squeezy bottles, which always have some ketchup left in the cap which becomes all crusty and everything like that it's just kind of horrible yeah yeah of course yeah well emily williams and her company they went Mm. the other way they thought okay why does it have to be liquid have they made like a butter ketchup no they've gone down the cheese route they've made ketchup slices that sounds repulsive. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's exactly the same as normal ketchup, but just the idea of carving a slice of ketchup. <laughs> See, when you say it like that, it just sounds wrong. It, it's just because it, I'll tell you why, because it makes you think of the encrusted ketchup on the cap. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think you carve these as slices. I think they're already carved as slices and individually wrapped. Like, you know, like the cheese slices you get. Oh, man, Debbie, lean ketchup. This just gets more of a pulsive. See, I never thought about it like that until you started talking about it like that, and now I just don't want to know. <laughs> Dairy Lee is a terrible cheese anyway, so, you know, the idea of it being not a cheese but ketchup just makes it even worse. Thing is, this is America, and they do like to kind of take a lot of the effort out when it comes to cooking. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were going to say this is America and they like terrible cheese, which would also have been true. Yes, I've tried some of their uh, cheese. That uh, Monterey Jack cheese is just bland. Monterey Jack, um, uh, I think, is all right, but they, they have cheese in a can. Did you know this? Cheese in a can? Spray cheese. Oh, that. Yeah, I've seen that. Something not right there. Yeah, uh, there is definitely something not right there. Um, see, I always thought Primula was just an oddity. I that that stuff disturbs and frightens me. Yes. Oh man, I'm, I'm picturing a pretty great horror film based on your fear of Primula now. <laughs> you check into a hotel and the mad stalker has left it on your pillow. Is that the calling card? That's it. That's how you know they're watching. It just arrived smeared in Primula. Oh, <laughs> I managed to just make myself cringe. It would be like that horrible ice cream advert that goes around the internet, you know, when whenever there's like a compilation on YouTube of the wrongest commercials ever or whatever clickbait title it is. And there's that ice cream commercial of the ice cream man eating his own head. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very upsetting. Yes, it is. Anyway, moving from upsetting things to uh, things that are things that are adorable, but also just just no <laughs> things that are adorable in a way that they aren't. No, uh, right. Regardless of whether you're a, a cat lover or a dog lover, it's difficult not to like dogs, right? Mm. Dogs have a lot of personality. And, yeah, you know, in a way that cats just can't seem to manage because cats have that aloofness and some people like that aloofness you know um some people also are masochists <laughs> <laughs> and they just like being clawed to bits yeah well you know i i generally think if you're uh i like animals in general right i wouldn't yeah. say i was more i'd say historically i've been more for cats but that's basically because you know we've never we've never had a dog um, we've never been able to have a dog in the house. Um, but I do like dogs. I think dogs have a lot of personality and I get on very well with dogs. In fact, I get on very well with other, an with all sorts of animals. Horses, though, horses just seem to like eating my clothes. I'm not sure why. <laughs> horses, I always had a problem with because, uh, when I was a kid, my dad was a hill walker. I used to go up hills with him. And there would always be a time whenever you were on a very narrow path with lots of nettles on either side that someone would ride their horses down in the opposite direction to you. Um, that's more the riders you had a problem with than the horses, I'd say. Yeah, but I, I take it out on the horses. You know, I could, aside from anything else, I was so young, I couldn't reach the riders at the time. But now? Now I would happily knock them off their horse, yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, 
Um, dogs, <laughs> right? You know, some people have this bizarre idea that um, dogs who are covered in fur are somehow going to get cold, so they must make <laughs> them wear clothes. Yes. And sometimes dogs' clothes are expensive, yeah? They can be, yeah. Right. Well, how much do you think a dog jacket that is made of 24-carat gold encrusted with Swarovski crystals and black diamonds, how much do you think that would be worth? I can't imagine. I'm I'm hung up on trying to work out who would buy it, to be honest. Um, Kind of split between Kanye West and Elon Musk again. Not only... Is it um, made of 24-karat gold, Swarovski crystals, and black diamonds? It is also lightweight, but strong enough to protect your dog from bites and even knife wounds. Which, if your dog is wearing this, it's more likely to get the knife wounds. (laughs) Who is it who lives in a neighborhood that is simultaneously so nice that you can afford to give your dog a gold coat, but so rough that your dog might get stabbed? Did they they misinterpret Knick-Knack Paddywhack instead of give your dog a bone? Like, give your dog a gold coat. (laughs) Give your dog a knife-proof vest studded with Swarovski crystals. What the hell? I I know dog fights are are a thing, but, you Mm. know... A dog going into a dog fight with a stab vest on. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe the older dogs in the dog fighting community do get a bit like sort of old gangsters and just turn up wearing gold jewellery and smoking big cigars. Oh, Car- they're a bit like, uh, what's uh, what's his name, Ray Winston in Scum. They've got, yes. You know, they just turn up going, where's your tool? But in, you know, in barks, obviously. <laughs> in barks, yeah. But if you, if you can translate barks... You're golden, literally yeah. in this case. <laughs> yes, but yeah, um, I, 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 it's, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, this is made as a collaboration between two companies, Doggy Armor and Very First Two, um, and the Very First Two are the same company that brought us the ultimate holiday for James Bond fans and the world's uh, most luxurious coloring book. <laughs> Was the ultimate holiday for James Bond fans just throwing them into a volcano and saying, there you go, meet Blofeld on the way down. Hang on, isn't that just the Tom Hanks movie, Joe vs. the Volcano? Joe vs. the Volcano, yeah. (laughs) Everybody forgets (laughs) that movie. Uh, No, the James Bond holiday is, uh, it costs £800,000. God. Yeah. And it's a it's a twenty one day seven country luxury tour that could have you living a life straight out of a Bond movie. Includes luxury hotels, private jets, sports cars, casino stops, speedboats, and three star gourmet meals. <laughs> There's a John Ronson article where he tries to recreate Bond's journey in the novel of Goldfinger. And he makes the mistake of doing it like drink for drink and meal for meal as well. Oh. And just after the first day, he is absolutely just hung over and sick and miserable. Well, I've just given you a picture of the dog armor, dog jacket armor jacket. It's, it's kind of nice, actually. That's what I mean. He, he does look like an adorable chap in his armor vest. Yeah. The pure gold isn't the toughest material in the world, but this is nanofabric. And apparently it's 15 times tougher than steel and 8 times tougher than Kevlar. I think you've turned me around on this. I'll probably buy one now. <laughs> if you've got... Well, you would. 
if you had £137,000 spare? I've been saving coppers for a while. I can probably stretch to it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's astonishing. I think I found a story this week that was like, that. that's the upper class dog owner's treat, but I think I found the most middle class dog owner's thing. Oh? Uh, which is that a cinema has opened up owner and dog screenings of Wes Anderson's new film, Isle of Dogs. Wow. thing is, I actually think that's a good idea. <laughs> I, say, but I, I, can... think, I think it's a smart idea. I'd love to attend one of those. I can sort of see it, because I think if you've got either a very young dog or a very old dog, it's kind of like having a kid. You've got to look after them all the time. God so it'd be nice to have, I mean, they do parent and baby screenings and they do dementia-friendly screenings. Yeah, so but, maybe this is the next step. Yeah, but what happens, you know, if that dog watches Isle of Dogs and suddenly starts liking animation and then all of a sudden they're a teenage dog and they're into anime and everything like that. And then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the owner doesn't understand them and can't understand the greatness of Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, you end up with a, a generation of quite alienated dogs in that way, don't you? Yeah, they're dying there for pale pink and purple and you know <laughs> light blue and everything, and they're going onto the internet and uh, call it t- saying, you know, I have a right to be the same height as everybody else. <laughs> they're barking out our long vlogs about how terrible Netflix's Death Note adaptation was. Yes. Oh, did you see that thing, though? Uh, apparently, uh, a, a bunch of students stormed out of a talk that a woman was giving about, and she was basically talking about how, on average, men are, uh, on average, physically taller than women, right? Yeah. And it went from her saying that to some girl storming out and damaging the sound system and st- then saying... I have a right to be the same height as men. And you're like, yeah, okay, fair enough. But then from there, it went on to how the woman who was saying that in the talk was apparently a Nazi because she wasn't letting women be the same height as men. I remember that because we talked about it on Literary Loitering. And I think the common sense solution we came up with was to give everyone little motorized platforms, which would be tailored to raise them all to the new standard height. Yes. Yeah, Just it just makes sense. Moving from height to death. Oh, that's always fun. Yes. Um, did you say heights will kill you? Well, no, it's the ground. <laughs> the sudden because stop at the end, boys and girls. You know, everything up to the sudden stop at the end is basically scenery. Yes. There's a company in California called, uh, I-, I think it's pronounced Nectom, or it might be Nectomy. I'm not sure. Okay. But they've basically made a pitch. They claim that they can perfectly preserve their clients' brains for use in the future when technology will allow all the information stored in them to be transferred to a computer, the the so-called singularity, right? Now, um, they're claiming that they'll one, be, one day be able to survey the brain's uh, connectomy, which is the neural connections within the brain, uh, so thoroughly that they can reconstruct a person's memories long after they've died. That day is still a long way away, but they're offering to preserve people's brains in such a way that when the aforementioned technology becomes available, 
they can be amongst the first people to resume their lives as computer programs or even something more. The one problem with that is that in order for them to preserve your brain Mm. and to basically give you the chance at having a life in the future, whether it's as a cyborg or as a computer program or whatever, they would have to kill you first. Right, so this can't happen with death from natural causes. This has to be an instance where they murder you. Well, here's the thing. This is what I don't understand. The service being offered by Nectomy does come... You know, this is like a major, major catch. The company co-founder, Robert uh, McIntyre, Mm. or McIntyre He, I think it is, he openly admits the service is 100% fatal for clients. Meaning that <laughs> I know I love the wording. Uh, it's like a guarantee. It's like he's thinking, yeah, no one's gonna go for this if we only have an eight out of ten fatality rate. Better up our game a bit. Exactly. We are definitely going to kill you. Um, basically, uh, this means that in order to preserve the connectomy, the brain has to be pumped with a cocktail of embalming chemicals while it's still fresh. Everything about this idea is dreadful. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, uh, what, what's that company in Swiss, in Switzerland called? Dignitas. Yeah, it's basically Dignitas. It, it's Dignitas for people who've read slightly too many Philip K. Dick novels. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> oh. I remember back in the 90s when someone working for, I can't remember whether it was Sony or British Telecom, said that we were probably getting into a time where you could upload someone's personality onto a computer. And I I just think that was like the late 90s. Imagine how disappointed you'd be to download your entire personality to late 90s computer technology and then get resurrected now and find out that actually no one uses floppy disks anymore. Yeah, that would be a disappointing thing, but I think the biggest disappointment would be um, just the state of the world right now. Yes. <laughs> What's happened since I've been gone? All right, take a seat. This could take a while. What do you mean Donald Trump is president? <laughs> <laughs> right, staying with the death-themed thing, right? Oh, how, how can we resist? Right, cafes. <laughs> Right. <laughs> See, I can I, I can almost hear your brain just working its way furiously, thinking, how do we go from death to cafes? I, I'm already thinking that I might have to upload my brain to a computer to figure this one out. Right. Um, cafes tend to have themes, yeah? Yeah. Some cafes have themes. Some are just a general, you go in, you have a cup of coffee, sandwich, cake, whatever, and you sit down... And you just relax. But others have themes. There are cat cafes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are cafes dedicated to female thighs. I'm not sure why. Right. Okay. Didn't know that one. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea why that's a thing, but apparently it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's in Japan, so. <laughs> ah, right. You got, it you, it's one of those all Japan things. There's also <laughs> an eatery in Moscow. Or there mm. was for a while, which followed in South Korea's footsteps. It's called the Crazy Toilet Cafe, <laughs> which offers a highly realistic toilet-themed dining experience, complete with people-inspired dishes served in a minute uh, served in miniature lavatories and urinals. Um, <laughs> but this isn't any of those. This is a uh, 
a cafe called the Kid My Death Cafe in Thailand. Right. And it it's basically decked out to look more like a funeral parlor. Uh, the yes. predominant color is black. There are uh, the menu items have names like aging, painful, illness, and death. And <laughs> yeah, they're they're displayed as funeral photos at the bar. And there's even a coffin that visitors can lie down in in order to get a small discount. That's ah, I wasn't sold on this until you got up to the last bit, but I've always been curious about what lying in a coffin would actually feel like. So I would happily do that for a small discount. <laughs> Is that just me? I mean, you're going to be lying in a coffin for quite a while at some point, so you might as well get a bit accustomed to it while you're here. Yeah, I, I see your point with that. It does make sense. Um, I'd just be sitting there going, the goths are going to love this place. Yes. <laughs> they are, though, aren't they? I did that thing this week where I downloaded my Facebook data, and among many other strange things, it has the list of keywords that it uses to sell you advertising. And two stood out for me, not only because they were interests that I didn't have, although you know they both are interests that I don't have, but because they seem to contradict each other. It was goth subculture and sport. I mean, pick one. I'll see what's behind the sport door. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no such thing as a sporty goth. Shibley Facebook's almighty algorithm should realise that, you know, there's something wrong there. Can I ask, is there such a thing as a sporty Graham? Uh, there is not, no. <laughs> my, my lack of sportiness would be doubled if I was a goth. Uh. See, the weird thing is, we can use sport to segue nicely into the next story. Right. Because <laughs> when, when you do sport, you obviously exercise, right? When you yeah. exercise, you develop, uh, you develop a good physique. You, you develop good muscles and everything like that, yeah? Yeah. Well, a uh, Japanese artist called uh, Shinane has... Uh, she's basically uh, looked at uh, pictures of hunky men... And she's particularly paid attention to the pectoral area and said, I've wanted to grind my face in there for years and years. <laughs> and yeah, she's, uh, she's a recent graduate of the, uh, Ochanamizu Institute of Art in Tokyo. And she's launched a crowdfunding campaign on the site Motion Gallery for headless torsos in the shape of hairless hunks who basically will be like hug pillows. I mean, you know, I realise people have ethical quandaries about the sex industry, but it's hard not to hear this story and not just think, buy a gigolo. <laughs> Seriously, it's going to be much easier than this. Probably. There is actually a Twitter account for them. Right. <laughs> um, and the Twitter account does have uh, some examples of just... How bizarre these things actually look. Now, don't forget, these are supposed to be pillows, effectively. Oh, dear God. Right, I mean, I'm, I'm clicking, but not without a sense of trepidation. Oh, my God! It's like something from the third act of a Stuart Gordon film. Yeah. What the hell is it? It's like, it's just a mass of pink. 
this is the Twitter account. Now, I'm very, very disturbed by <laughs> what the woman's doing. <laughs> this is absolutely the kind of thing that you would find in a serial killer's basement, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, I, I've found a way to make this story even better, uh, which is I've pressed Google's automatic translate for the tweet. So with the caveat that this may not be an exact replica of what she has written, she says, it is a stupid pillow that was exhibited at the Okonomizoo Art College, but I want a pillow that holds down the price and a stubborn pillow. In order to deliver a stupid pillow to everyone who could have thought of, I am currently preparing cloud funding. Yes, cloud funding. Oh, Hello. Google Translate. <laughs> Although the graduation production exhibition has ended, I am pleased to see a stupid pillow with warm eyes in future. Well done to her, though. You know, I hope yeah. she does. Uh, I hope she does get her dream of a stupid pillow. But <laughs> the not... first response to it, again, according to the infallible resource that is Google Translate, is, "I am not afraid of one night at this already." <laughs> <laughs> just you, I'm afraid. The rest of us are petrified. Yeah. Do you know what would be worse, though, is if you had that stupid pillow along with uh, what looked to be a stupid pair of shoes. Right. Right. Now, um, there's a reason why we have feet, isn't there? Yeah, they're, they're good for the walking. Yeah. Do you know what isn't good, good for people to have because we have feet? Something that isn't good for us to have because we have feet are hooves. Oh, yes, yeah. You know, because we don't suit hooves, do we? No, no, except centaurs who manage to make it look very dashing. Yeah. Well, there you go, Graham. Uh, fashion. <laughs> Lead thy charge. This is, no, this is some My Little Pony fans nightmare that's brought through into reality. These are, listeners, these are like ballet shoes with the sort of binding, but instead of having a flat bottom on the floor, they have hooves they, stuck to the sort of the toe end of them. Yeah, they are literally cloven hooves, and they're uh, they're from an online shop called Walpurgis. <laughs> right, this is all, all... Getting back into that sort of satanic conspiracy territory, isn't it? Yes, it is. In fairness, if the Illuminati people on the internet were saying this was a sign of the devil at work, I would say, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I've got no complaint about that. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, uh, why? Just my first question when I saw this was why. Uh, Imagine spending the time to learn to walk in these things. Imagine at the being... end of it all, you'd feel kind of accomplished, but you'd also recognise that you'd wasted your life. Yeah. The the unfortunate thing about this, right, mm. is that uh, these I think this Walpurgis site is again a Japanese site because it says that a pair will set you back forty three thousand two hundred yen or four hundred and ten dollars. Right. Well, it, it's more reasonable than a stout proof vest for your dog. Yes. Anyway, final news story. Okay. And. I'm gonna, we're back in the UK just to prove that there isn't anything that uh, Japan can do that we can't do ourselves and do <laughs> just as weird, right? Back in December, uh, Poundland 
that bastion of British commerce. <laughs> yes, basically the backbone of the British economy at this stage. Right. They decided to try their hand at festive at a festive marketing campaign, and they got severely criticised for it. Uh, right. Would you like to see what they got criticised for? Yes, go on. Right. They got criticised for uh, sending out a particular tweet. The tweet was of a, uh, a, 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 a happy Christmas elf. Unfortunately, it was what the Christmas elf was doing. <laughs> yes, listeners, the, the, there's no sensitive way to put this. The elf is, is teabagging a, a female doll. <laughs> and it's the tea bag is a literal tea bag, and it has the box of Twinings classics next to it, as though someone thought that was going to make it all right. Yeah. Well, basically, whoever is the genius behind that, because I've got to say, even though they had criticism for it, it's a genius idea. <laughs> yes. They they're back with more seasonal uh, tweets. And this time okay. they have their new mascots called Bunny and Chick, right? Now, that's the article link, but just scroll down slowly through the images. <laughs> okay. Right. It's, it started badly with uh, Chick branding Bunny's rear end. They, put, they, put, they kind of put the punchline at the top of the article on this one. <laughs> oh, right, did they? Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of voyeurism in here, and uh, yeah, a bit of, oh, I didn't even make that connection, it's a hot cross bunny. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of genius, this, isn't it? Because there is no way that people who shop at Poundland, as, you know, I occasionally do, I'm not looking down my nose at people here, there is no way that they're going to be that offended by this. No, I thought... I looked at the bunny and chick ones. I thought that's that's actually pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, if it was a new marketing campaign, Harvard's, I'd question their social media strategy. Yeah, but it kind of works for Poundland. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that it starts off with Bunny who's gone bird watching. Obviously, there's the voyeurism there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite sinister, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and then there's you know uh, there's chick. Who's caught? Obviously, caught Bunny in the act of bird watching and decided to punish Bunny. I hadn't really considered it as a narrative, but there is clearly a moral conclusion there, isn't there? <laughs> if anything, it's a warning. You could be branded as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there is a sort of secondary issue with this, which I think is interesting, because uh, when the elf tweet went out, the advertising standards authority retroactively banned it and it's yeah. like well that that's not very effective is it no because lots of people have seen it already and it's on the internet there's no point in yeah. retroactively banning something once it's, once it's on the internet that it, it just tweeting takes like a second to do and it's not like you know it's a traditional advertising campaign where they're planning to run it for months yeah it's they're helpless they can't do anything well this is the thing i i, I just find uh in this case, the Advertising Standards Authority is like a toothless tiger because yeah. once it's been tweeted out, it's obviously going to hit all the news sites. They're going to have a copy of the image on their site. So unless the ASA goes after those news sites as well and says, take it down, you can't show that image, blah, 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 news sites are going to go, nah. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Oh man, I I I could sort of get why people are uh, offended by it. I mean, he's branded that bunny right in the stupid pillows. <laughs> yeah, the bunny does not look happy. <laughs> It's always fun when you can be there at the birth of a new slang term, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, all I know is that if there aren't fan parodies of the uh, Buddy and Chick and the Elf from Christmas, then the internet, the people who live on the internet, they really, really need to up their game. <laughs> yes. Do you think there's a whole shared universe for this, the Poundland cinematic universe? If not, there should be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not cinematic, maybe narrative universe. Yes, yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, that's it from us. That's that we're done for this uh, for this week. Um, if you want to check out any of any of our other shows, or indeed any of the shows on the Geek Show Podcast Network, you'll find them on any of your podcast providers. Just look for the Geek Show, or Keyframe, or Cinema Eclectica, or Four Panel, or Literary Loitering. Um, you'll find all of our shows on our website as well, which is thegeekshow.co.uk, where you'll also find our Patreon link. Um, so show your spot on that. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter or email us studio at thegeekshow.co.uk. Until the next time, I have been Rob. I've been Graham. And we'll see you all later. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.